Hi, everyone. It is Steven Schleicher. And uh, this week, we've got a little something extra to stick in your stocking. No, wait, that's Christmas. This is something else. Your turkey. Your turkey. Here's something to stick in your turkey. <laughs> um, some places call it dressing. Some places call it dress uh, stuffing. Um, so every once in a while, we sit down and we watch some movies and we run them as our summer movie spectacular where we sit around and talk about a film. Um, Interstellar from Christopher Nolan came out several weeks ago. And mm-hmm. so this is a movie that um, really, as a review, kind of falls outside the range of, you know, a brand new weekend release kind of thing. But I finally went and saw the movie the other night as a few days ago. And I really need to talk to somebody about it. And fortunately, Mr. Zach Wolf here. Yes. Has uh, also seen the movie and hopefully he has some thoughts about yeah, oh, this movie. Oh, yeah. I just watched it last night and I've been thinking and reading about it all day. Well, so I think everyone knows what this movie is about. Um, I think I'm a little disappointed that it feels very heavy handed in that Christopher Nolan basically is saying, hey, we're destroying our environment and uh, we're all going to die because they do hit us over the head. Although they they couch it in that a blight is killing crops all over the place. And uh, we have. We're no longer looking at the stars, but we're looking down and trying to survive. And that if we don't do something, our kids are the last generation of kids to to live on this planet. Yeah. Well, at least the kids in that world, because they're they do an interesting job of not really right. stating when it takes place on Earth. Well, OK, so one thing that I'll say right off the right off the bat. Yeah. Is that I'm super disappointed in Ken Burns. Why is that? Ken Burns has this awesome documentary yeah. about called The Dust Bowl Days. Oh, right. And in it, the they're, they're interviewing people who actually live through the Dust Bowl and are telling stories of the Dust Bowl. Yeah. Every single old person that you see in that film who is talking about the dust, you know, this du- these dust storms. Uh-huh. Those are all the people that are in that documentary. Really? And with the exception, I think, of the daughter. Uh, mm-hmm. Who shows up as an old person at the very at the very beginning is the very last person where she talks about her father. Right. They've just used the clips from the Dust Bowl days That's and incorporated them into this movie. So I'm really disappointed in Ken Burns because I thought he wasn't such a big sellout or maybe he is. <laughs> I don't know. It just felt when I saw that because instantly if you haven't seen Dust Bowl. No, I haven't. You really I mean, it is a powerful documentary. OK. And it's it is. I mean, it's probably better than baseball. It's definitely better than Civil War. But for it to show up in this movie and all those interviews have been co-opted into this narrative of, well, this is the Dust Bowl of my youth and why we had to leave Earth and all this stuff. It's like totally misrepresents the documentary, totally misrepresents Ken Burns, totally misrepresents the story. So I was really when I first saw that, I was super disappointed. Yeah, and I was I, like, oh, really? No way. Christopher Nolan is better than this. <laughs> and that, that's really strange why they would do that. I would, uh, you would I think mean, that they could go get other people to just yeah, do well, similar could, lines, but it's lines. just like, yeah. it's just like, oh, well, Ken Burns has already interviewed these people in, in real life. We don't have to write anything. We'll just use yeah. this stuff and pay people off or whatever that goes on. I'm super disappointed in that. So it, that was the first disappointment of the movie. You know, it was the you first know, 30 my, seconds. Yeah. You know what mine, mine was? It Which was, was that part of those, that section of interviews also was because you, if you understand the plot of the story going in, you realize they're talking about past events, right? You right. understand that they're not in the present talking about what's happening now. They're talking, right. they've lived through part of it. Right. And I go, that film looks really horrible. Why is it so, it, why does it look like it came from? Not like a, a time period before we're actually living right now in 2014. Right, right, Why doesn't right. it look like it's coming from 2080? Why did they degrade it? Why isn't it not just super clear? It it made it made no sense to well, me. Well, it's because it was shot th- two years ago. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if in that world, yes, let's say uh, it's 150 years from present day. Mm-hmm. You would think their film technology would be a little bit better. Well, maybe. Than I 2010. mean, 2010. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the other part of this, um, the other part of this coin is that technology has really fallen apart on this planet because when the crops start to fail and they talk about three quarters of the planet 
is already dead or something. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what kind of the illusion mm-hmm. that that they're talking about, that there's fewer than uh, seven billion people on the planet. Right. And technology is really run by these as we see it in farmers and, and you and I growing up in, in Kansas know all about uh, spitting and chicken wire holding everything together, baling wire holding everything together. And that's what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So to not have, you know, they're not watching television no. in this thing. It's they're true. not going to the movies. I mean, they're surviving. Right. Now, granted, they have computers and they have some science and technology, but even in the conversation that Cooper, played by Matthew McConaughey, has with Murphy, his daughter's school, um, it's pretty clear that it's you want to be a farmer and you want to grow crops so that we can survive. Yeah. So that part I can kind of see looking back. But as you said, this takes place 150 years or 124 years past the start of the film when everything has been fixed. And we've gone mm-hmm. out into the stars again. So, yeah, why wouldn't this stuff yeah. be fixed? I mean, that that is a total nerd of film and video, like looking at that, like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're traveling through uh, wormholes and stuff. I guess the other, the other thing that was somewhat troublesome. Now, excuse me, I will admit straight off that I avoided anything having to do with any of the marketing or the Mm -hmm. story or the publicity about this film, anything that showed up over on the major spoiler site, that was all Zach's doing. I didn't Mm -hmm. watch any of the trailers, didn't really care to because I was like, uh, Matthew McConaughey, uh, you know, he's all right. Oh, you've got, (laughs) you've got what's her face uh, in it. Uh, She's okay. Mm -hmm. And then it's Christopher Nolan. So, you know, it's going to be, you know, somewhat up a Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. It's going to be a Christopher Nolan movie. So I was Mm -hmm. not super interested in seeing it. And so I kind of just avoided all of it. And then uh, someone said, oh, you well, you know, it's got uh, space travel and this other stuff going on in it. And I was like, okay, well, I'll go see it if I get the chance. And I know you seem pretty upbeat and positive about it, right? Yeah, I was always pretty gung-ho to see it. I just never had the chance until now. Uh, Everything that I had seen I thought was interesting, even though it it, to me it looked like a pretty big uh, modern take of 2001 a space that's, odyssey my god that's the second thing that infuriated me in this movie yeah was it's that, pretty clear was that there are even musical elements in here oh yeah that are directly influenced and i can say influenced yeah i would say influenced from 2001 and i can say oh well i bet there's going to be this and then i bet yep. there's going to be this and then i bet there's going to be this and then i bet yep. there's going to be this and from monolithic robot yeah which to were awesome, but wormhole wormhole to oh docking bet, sequences docking sequences to <laughs> oh i bet that this wormhole that they're going to find is out by jupiter oh no it's out by saturn okay it's yeah. the exact god dang thing yeah and so the next thing that i'm thinking while i'm watching this movie having triggered just from the very first uh, sound of that bomb carrying mm-hmm. on was i know how this movie is going to play out and i know nothing about this movie mm-hmm. and this is 2001 and i thought christopher nolan was better than this I thought Christopher Nolan was better than, let me just tell my version of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm. Now, that being said, he has gone on and talked about influences. And he says, uh, you know, um, the movies that you grew up with, the culture you absorb through the decades become part of your expectations while watching a film. So you can't make a film in a vacuum. We're making science fiction film. You can't pretend 2001 doesn't exist when you're making Interstellar. Absolutely. I can understand that and I can appreciate it. Yeah. But, and, you know, I don't know. Uh, here, uh, students who are learning yeah. say, oh, remember that cool scene from Batman? Let's do that exact same scene. Let's sure. use the exact same themes. Let's use the exact same sounds. Let's use some of the same action and lighting, etc. That's fine. But as you grow and you change and evolve, sure, you can borrow elements from what has influenced you. But to make it so blatantly obvious that this is 2001 again, just felt <laughs> really insulting to me as a, as a, as a moviegoer. Mm. What was your thought on that? Uh, I, I mean, <clears throat> for me, I felt, um, that this was like 2001. If it was trying to be the biggest blockbuster in, of the year. Yes. I, I will know? say this, this is a, 
and I think I said this on Twitter. I said uh, to my imaginary quote of Christopher Nolan, hey, <laughs> did you guys see how I made Batman better? What do you see what I do with 2001? Yeah. And so, yes, this is a much more interesting, much more appealing story, maybe even a little bit more understandable of a story. It moves certainly a lot oh, faster oh, yeah. than Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey. So right. I'll give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah, this movie is much more accessible than 2001. I don't have to oh, yeah, explain yeah, yeah. the movie by saying the last 30 minutes is like you're on drugs. Well, I don't have to say that. So, like, so when, we, when we're making comparisons, in 2001 A Space Odyssey, Dave goes near the obelisk. It opens up, and it's, my mm-hmm. God, it's full of stars. He's going through the same wormhole. He's going through the exact same experience. Mm-hmm. He's going through the exact same experience that Matthew McConaughey's character Cooper is going through when he enters the black hole. Yeah. When he enters that Tesseract, it's just done in a very different way. And as you said, it's much more approachable and much more understanding yes. of yeah. what's going on. There's a lot more dialogue and pretty much they, this is the thing I liked about this movie. This movie, if, if you cut like 25% of the dialogue in this film, it gets very confusing. If you don't have them explain why is the wormhole a sphere or what right, is right. happening with the time dilation with the gravity right. going to the planets whipping mm-hmm. around black holes. They explain everything, even when he's doing the giant. He is a he is the ghost inside of the machine. He right. is the deus machina. Like they yes. explain all of it, which no. makes it so much easier to follow. Yes, it, and it does. And. You know, there's so many cool things about this from the scientific standpoint that are accurate. Oh, absolutely. If you were someone who is familiar with physics and science and astrophysics and those kinds of things, if they didn't explain everything, you might be going, oh, I see what they're doing here. I see why Mm -hmm. this works this way and that works that way. But you're right. It would totally not be approachable by the average person. That's why I had said um, in our discussion on Zach on film about uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey when I talked about and I think it was in the episode maybe it was a discussion afterwards, about the uh, von Neumann probes. And everybody kind of looked at me and said, well, you know, I don't know what a von Neumann probe is. Well, it's this idea that a civilization will send out these probes to cross all parts of the galaxy, all parts of the universe. And they will, these probes, these, in the case of 2001, these monoliths will land and just observe and mm-hmm. in the case of the one on Earth, the one on the moon, it lands on the moon because it knows that society, human society, when it's capable of reaching the moon and finding this thing, then they're prepared to go to the next level. Right. And that almost feels like what's going on here, where the far, far, far future humans, spoiler alert, yeah. we're assuming that you've seen this film, yeah, yeah, yeah. that the far, far, far humans are waiting until a precise moment in time when Mm -hmm. humans are ready to stop looking down and look back up and move forward. And they concoct this elaborate scheme to get Cooper off the planet and then have these events happen to him and the crew um, so that he in effect becomes uh, his own grandfather, (laughs) which an interesting. So the other thing I just, the thing that was so brilliant about this, I don't know if I saw this movie after we had our conversation after Ben-Hur or not. Uh, I think you did. Cause you just, okay. yeah, I think you did. So uh, Zach and I and Rodrigo had a fantastic conversation um, a few weeks ago after our recording of Zach on film. And for so long, I've been trying to get people to wrap their mind around this, uh, this concept of karma. And the way I always explain it is, Imagine you're in a pond and on one end of the pond, that's the beginning of your life. And on the other end of the pond is the end of your life. We all know that our fate is determined that way, right? We're all going to be born and we're all going to die. There's nothing in the pond that says we have to go in a specific direction or what actions are going to happen or whatever, you know, those kinds of things. We're going to be born and we're going to die. But if you're on that boat in the middle of the pond and you throw a rock off the boat into the water, it causes ripples. And those ripples go out in all directions. So some of those ripples go forward and affect your timeline. Mm-hmm. And so people can say, well, if you do something good or bad now, that's going to affect your future self. Right. 
Mm-hmm. But what people fail to think about in this uh, analogy of the pebble or the rock in the water is that those ripples are also going backwards on your timeline. Sure. And so things that you're doing in the future, good or bad, Zach, could be affecting you of the past. And that's where I think people get really whacked out and tripped out about this idea of karma and energy and, you know, doing good and good things happen kind of stuff mm-hmm. until you watch this movie. Because in it, <laughs> in it, they explain precisely that we have four dimensions, that we know four dimensions. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, DeGrasse Tyson uh, yeah. recently did a, did a thing saying, hey, if I'm going to go meet Zach, I tell him I'm going to meet him at the corner of 27th and Hall. And he knows that X, Y coordinate on the third mm-hmm. floor of Zach's apartment or second floor of Zach's apartment. That's your Y. Mm-hmm. But that's all well and good and, and fine, but it doesn't tell you what time we're going to meet. So f- the fourth dimension, this time concept, is something right. that we as humans are locked into. The future humans have moved outside of time space. And so that yes, whole last they've, part. They've gone to the fifth dimension. Well, yeah, or higher. Or higher, sure. Uh, Michio Kaku talks about 12 dimensions or more. But um, this movie in- shows Cooper moving outside the fourth dimension. It shows him mm-hmm. affecting both his future and his past at the same time. Yeah. And which, it's, such an, it's such an interesting moment of the film, especially because when, when he's realizing that he's outside of, of right. his dimension, mm-hmm. affecting his daughter. Mm-hmm. But the only reason he's there is because someone is outside of the dimension he's been temporarily placed in right. allowing him to interact in this time that he should not be able able to but because his future action ejecting off the uh, spaceship and going into the black hole yeah allows him to go and affect the past which kind of goes back to the idea of karma or our energy or whatever mm-hmm. traveling backwards down our timeline and affecting us in the past yeah I, I just I when I saw that, I was like, ah, that cl- that is the perfect explanation that I've been trying to tell people for years <laughs> of you have to step outside and look at everything to see what's going on. Everything happens all at once. Yeah, that's and the wh- thing. Everything is happening all at once. What I think is really interesting at that point is I've I mean, I literally spent all most of the day either listening to people discuss this movie or reading stuff about it. But uh, when when Matthew McConaughey's character Cooper first enters that tesseract of right. time, right? Mm-hmm. He one has not completely comprehended what he can really do. And right. he just knows he's at this one place and he's trying to get a message to his daughter. And it's so like instinctual that he knows that the original plan is not going to work. So he wants himself to stay there. Right. And tries to send a message for him to stay, but not thinking correctly mm-hmm. that uh, if he would have sat down and processed it, if he would have stayed, then everything would have been destroyed. Right. Like he would have, he would have created essentially a different, yeah, different universe. reality. Yeah. Different, different reality. universe. Yep. Yeah. 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 It's, I don't know. I mean, what were, I mean, I've kind of talked a little bit. I want to hear from your, your thoughts. I mean, I enjoyed this movie. Yeah. A lot. And it makes you think and because it's for me, Three or four days later, I, I watched this on Sunday, and I'm still thinking about this movie. Mm-hmm. So I want to know what some of your thoughts on some of the message, some of the way that the story played out, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, what's really been tripping me out about the movie, because, you know, we watch a lot of science fiction movies. And right, it's right. fairly clear that none of them are really based in reality. The closest would be 2001. Yeah. And then you get to Interstellar. And they have Kip Thorne, who's uh, a physicist at Caltech, right. who is there, one of their producers on the film, mm-hmm. who was right there with Christopher Nolan and his brother Jonathan writing the script, going back and forth, talking about what is allowed with inside physics and mm-hmm. what is possible and what's the theoretical. Right. And you realize most of this movie, until they get into areas that we are not able to know, Right. Like what's inside the black hole into a yeah. black hole. Yeah. Uh, pretty much lines up with current models of physics. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what I, just mind blowing. That's what I really like, too. And it's and it becomes a big, important part of the story 
where Cooper is talking to Murphy and saying, hey, you know, things are going to happen. I'll be traveling so far that uh, time for you is going to be different. I mean, this is Einstein's theory right there where, you know, the the closer you approach the speed of light, your time slows down time compression while the observer outside time goes on for them. So by the time you come back an hour in the case of the first planet that they visit um, could be just an hour for you. But for mm-hmm. the observer on the outside, in this case, 23 years had passed. Yeah, they were there so long. They were there for like a matter of three, it was a like little an over hour. three hours, three hours. Was it, was it three it, hours? It was seven years for every hour. Okay. And that's the part that was a little confusing because the giant waves, um, TARS, had said that it was going to take at least an hour for that to drain and for them to restart. Yeah. They, and so they, maybe they, it was an hour going down, an hour coming back? Yeah, I mean... They don't, they kind of mess with timing, I think, with editing in that one. They kind of compress time really down okay. far because by the time they get, because uh, at, at, at this point of the movie, they leave one of their crewmen back on their main ship. Right. And he's going to study the, 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 the giant well. black hole yeah. that this planet is, is orbiting around to try to learn more, to send back information to Earth and help people escape. Yeah. By the time he gets back, he thought they were dead. It'd been maybe 20 minutes of movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it'd been 23 years for this guy. Yeah. And he'd just been up on the spaceship with him and this giant talking monolith. Uh, that, that Thinking about that and reading more about time dilation and the effects of gravity and, and velocity and how well, that really checks your time just, just bent my mind. But, but we have, you know, they've proven this. They've oh, yeah. actually proven oh, this. Yeah. I mean, they've taken clocks that are synchronized with one another, put one on a super fast plane, put mm-hmm. one up into, you know, uh, sh- uh, s- ships going up into orbit. Mm-hmm. And when they come back, granted, because uh, we're not talking about massive gravitational fluctuations from right. the Earth to the moon or um, in orbit, they can come back and they can measure fractions of a, of a second difference mm-hmm. in the way that these two timepieces are aligned. So, you know, imagine going down the gravity well of a planet (laughs) orbiting or two planets orbiting a massive black hole Mm -hmm. and the similar effect is there. So it's it's really cool. And I'm glad that they're putting these kind of science concepts that are accurate into the movie. In fact, one of the most visual uh, aspects of the movie is the black hole itself, where you just see this really weird this disc that kind of morphs and bends around the yeah. the the space mm-hmm. and we've known about gravitational lensing before where gravity can actually bend light or reflect light right. so that if you're on one side of the light coming at you and there's a huge gravitational force in the middle it's going to bend and refract around it right the cool thing was um one of the uh, one of the uh, special effects people who was working on this said okay I need to put in the actual equations of what you guys think that that uh, this lensing, what it's about. And so they gave him all the equations, all the theoretical equations. He had to mm-hmm. rewrite the computer rendering program to be able to take into all of these computations. And at first they weren't really getting anything back. It was just rendering nothing. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, let's talk about this this ring that happens, this flame ring that happens, uh, that orbits a black hole. And apparently scientists have seen these things. And he's like, okay, well, let's just plop one of those in the middle of the of the shot. And then suddenly that's where you get this huge warping effect. And what ended up happening was, through the process of the special effects, <laughs> they actually proved these theoretical equations or right. showed for the first time what this would look like. Um, outside of a of a mathematical model, which just in itself is mind blowing. Yeah, they. I mean, I read that today, and they're going to publish two different papers based on what they discovered. Yeah. While rendering this for <laughs> astrophysicist, and then for uh, com- computer. Yeah. So I would uh, imagine guys. I would imagine that the first paper, especially from the visual effects standpoint, we will see at SIGGRAPH in 2015. SIGGRAPH sure. is the Society of Graphic Artists. Um, yeah, I forget what the whole thing is, but it's a place where people show off their 3D and imaging 
work, their animation work. But it's mm-hmm. also a place where people give scientific papers on how they do um, ambient occlusion, how they do um, um, I have mind slipping at the moment, but the, oh, I'm sorry, subsurface scattering. And right. now we can add in uh, gravitational lensing into <laughs> what our computers are capable of rendering for a movie. But I mean, some of those frames. Now, I come from a day where me growing up, um, computer animation, I got to witness the birth of computer animation mm-hmm. and worked with a lot of software in the very, very early days of computer animation. This is. And I shouldn't say early days because the early days really goes back to the 60s. But by the mid to late 80s, we've had computers that were accessible by a number of different people. And so seeing these huge steps in in computer graphics is astounding. But also looking at the times, I remember just doing a 10 second animation might take a week to render (laughs) on the systems that we had access to. Some of these individual frames were taking 100 hours to render. Oh, my just to get and you know you've got 20 or 30 shots of that thing in the movie Mm -hmm. just phenomenal oh man uh i mean yeah there's so much good about this movie and but there's some stuff i just uh that worked in the end but i just wish would have happened differently like um so again spoilers uh at the end when uh cooper gives his message to his daughter, right? And he's floating in Tesseract, and then it kind of just... Spits him back out. Spits him back out, right? Mm-hmm. I wish he would have just been dead. I wish he would have died. I, I mean, I can see the reason for letting him live. So so could I. I, I thought there were some really good moments, especially when he's talking to his daughter, mm-hmm. on the new planet-saving arc thing. Right. Uh, I mean, I thought I thought there were really good moments, but part of me was just like, Ugh, "How is it possible?" You see, that, that's the that's that the other thing. <laughs> he, like, he went into the. This is the, I was thinking about this. He's, he goes into the black hole on the other side of the wormhole, but then he gets spit back out on our side of the wormhole next to Saturn, right? In the vastness of space, mm-hmm. they just happen to come upon him. Upon him. Well, so we don't know. I mean, the wormhole and the black hole are not connected with one another. And that's one thing that right. they they didn't do a good job of explaining, especially with the outcome of Cooper living. Um, yeah. Every black hole has a white hole. Right. Did you read about that? No. So the theory is that the black hole is so dense, everything collapses down into it. Right. But there's this idea that it's spitting something out on the other side. Uh, called a white hole. And so they call these white holes because that's where everything is just being ejected back out the other way. Mm. Um, The movie that Matthew always talks about, the movie The Black Hole, Mm -hmm. um, that's essentially what happens. I mean, there's the whole heaven-hell thing at the end of the movie when they go into the black hole, but the aftershot is that they have been exploded out the backside to Mm. somewhere else in the universe. Uh, In this case, it just happens to be right back where he started. Where he needed to be. Yeah. I mean, the only way I can reconcile it in my mind is the Magic. higher level. Well, no, the higher level humans. <laughs> yes. Just throw. Well, him, I mean, yeah, they've created this. They've created a Tesseract for him to be in. I mean, the, right. the wormhole. I mean, the black hole didn't create the Tesseract. Right. The future humans created the Tesseract. Mm-hmm. And so they can put him anywhere they need him to be. And they can spit him out 124 sure. years in the future and say, hey, <laughs> you get a chance to see your, your daughter one more time. You get to see the, the results of all the work that you put in. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, your girlfriend's still alive and she's on another planet and you need to go find her. Yep. That's the one part I, I don't think I liked was that part of the ending. See, the, the, yeah, I agree. And especially because they, the, the romantic nature of, of their relationship was there but it was always way underneath her desire to be with one of the scientists uh, that originally went through the wormhole to discover a habitable planet and and then of course there's the whole thing that he has been spit out way into the future how's who's to say i mean she's on another planet that is away from the black hole i mean yeah Yeah. away from the black hole yeah isn't she already going to be another hundred years older than he is by the time he finds her well Here's here's what I understood. See, there are so many just small lines that if you that you like that are just thrown away. Yeah. 
that so when they're whipping around Gargantua before he blow he throws himself yeah. in a black hole, right? Right, right. They say like one line, like, oh, there's like fifty one years or something. Oh, okay. So if you take that She's also advanced in time as well. Right. So if you take that plus their twenty three years on the water planet, mm-hmm. then you get a number of years that could pretty much put them in line with where we end up with the movie. Have you did you have a chance to read Absolute Zero? The lost chapter of Interstellar. No, I haven't. Uh, I, I just found this late uh, today. I haven't had a chance to read it. It's an online webcomic that Wired put out that oh, talks about. Did, no one wrote it, didn't he? I believe so. Yeah, yeah by I Christopher Nolan. Them. And uh, it talks about what happened after. And, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, so maybe it goes a little bit more in depth. I'm, I'm interested in reading it. Interested in, in just seeing what happens next. Um, or maybe it explains a little bit more about the ending. Yeah, I'll be reading that. I, I was fine with uh, with her character continuing on the mission of doing the gene bomb. And uh, although it didn't really explain how, who was going to be all doing all the education and the teaching and the yeah. child and that rearing. That didn't happen. Yeah, I, I don't know. There are know. some holes. Like, maybe they should have planned to have more than one female scientist well, but on even, this plan who hinges on repopulating the whole thing through... Right, but even uh, then, I mean, who's going eight. to do the teaching, right? Who's oh, going sure. to, you know, I you mean, raise... I scientists. You have five kids. Yeah. You know, she talks about how <laughs> the how they were kind of exponentially going to have the, the population growth. Mm-hmm. But you start out with, you know, four or five kids. You've got to raise them, mm-hmm. teach them, educate them, make sure they understand about reproduction and agriculture and science and all of these things before right. you die so that when the next generation of kids comes along and there's more of them that that you know it, that's the part that was a little bit confusing to me yeah i don't know if you visually yeah. it's a very pretty movie absolutely i i, I thought it was an enjoyable movie mm-hmm. i just i agree the, but the minute that everything from the uh, ship that they were on to the music to some of the visual shots were so reminiscent of, of 2001 for me. I just, I was totally taken out of the experience uh-huh. and I got more upset as the movie went on. <laughs> well, that stinks. Yeah. I don't know, uh, Did, but you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Maybe more than I thought I would. Like, I was pretty excited about it or maybe I enjoyed it just a little bit less than I thought it would. I don't know. I don't think it's Christopher Nolan's best movie overall. I still think uh, Inception is a much more interesting movie. Yeah, I mean, there's so many different levels that why I find Interstellar interesting. And it's mainly how they actually use the real science. Right, like, right. That just interests me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and, oh, excuse me. And I think they do some interesting things in the film. And like you said, it is beautiful. I mean, it's a very Christopher Nolan-esque there's a shot now that i just associate with christopher nolan and that's the fixed foreground image while just crap happens in the background right 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 that that shot is just i mean i don't think he came up with it but he uses it so much uh in all of his films that that is just christopher nolan screaming at me from now on there is here's the other thing that kind of took me uh took me back while i was watching the film online on YouTube, I'm trying to find it real quick, mm-hmm. is a short film that this guy did. And he did it, I want to say, like a year or two ago. And it's basically about a guy who's traveling to different planets trying to find something that's habitable. It's called The Beacon. Mm. And it's put out by Newman Films, uh, N-E-U-M-A-N-N Films. It's called The Beacon. And I want to say that the first episode of that was put out. Let's see if I can find it here. Um, ba, 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 ba. The Beacon. The Beacon. Seven months ago. Well, the prologue was seven months ago. Yeah, the first, uh, yeah. The first bit, the trailer, was mm-hmm. seven months ago. A long time. I mean, probably right around the same time that Interstellar was... Uh, rapping production or whatever. But again, nobody knew what was going on in this film. But I think this guy is influenced a little bit by Christopher Nolan or influenced by yeah. the um, um, 
the certain process that makes everything very contrasty and very cool mm-hmm. uh, because that's <laughs> watching the beacon. I was, you know, I thought that was really cool, cool concept, cool ideas. And then I right. see Interstellar and I'm like, wow, that's really like the beacon a lot. So I think, you know, going back to the bit about Nolan saying, well, we're always influenced by the things that affected us growing up. Yes. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to, if I'm going to make a, a feature length film, certainly, the look of movies like Star Wars and Back to the Future are going to have an impact in how I would prefer something to look like. I like night scenes in a city to have, you know, wet streets in them. That's from mm-hmm. Back to the Future. But sure. I don't think that me having a wet street in a night scene, people would go, oh, he's uh, he's ripping off Back to the Future or yeah. he's, you know, he's paying yeah. homage to Back to the Future where this yeah. one just was like wow uh this is 2001 all over again and that's the thing that just still nags at me and i i mean i really enjoyed this movie but that thing just still nags at me yeah it, it hasn't bothered me as much because when i think of 2001 i think of an art film right. and when i think of this i think action. a christopher nolan black black blockbuster action film yeah yeah uh so like if he tried to make it more uh, abstract, then I could really be like, oh man, come on now. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But Hasn't for me, done... it was a more like, oh, I totally know where he's getting this from. Oh yeah. Yeah. Now, now here's the nice thing. And this is kind of flips it back around now to kind of the whole point of Zach on film. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, I mean, you've graduated from Zach on film already. You graduated sure, months and months ago. We talked about that, but now you are getting a direct experience to seeing a film today and going, Oh my God, I see where this is coming from. (laughs) Whereas a year ago, you would have had no idea. No idea. Yeah. No idea. Speaking Uh of not being familiar with 2001, a space odyssey, you took your wife to see this movie. I did. Aubrey wouldn't watch it with me. She was, uh, she had almost no idea what the movie was about going into it. Mm hmm. And she really dug it. She got emotional. She was crying at the end. Uh, and we've talked a lot about like, well, why did this? And then, then I go Google for a while and I try to figure out what they were actually meaning and how this actually happens and how this works. Uh, so it, 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 she she really enjoyed it. Um, and I was, I was, I'm happy about that. That was nice. <laughs> did you talk to her and say, did you? push your glasses and go, well, you do know that this is uh, influenced by 2001 A Space <laughs> said, Odyssey. And, uh, now we need to go watch 2001 A Space Odyssey. I, I really think she's not going to like it. No, I know she's not. I know, I, I, like, I know she's not. But I was like, well, we just need to watch it. One, because I haven't watched it since we did it on Zach on film. Right. Uh, so I really want to watch it again. And then I just want to show her, like, this is a weird movie. <laughs> Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey is, uh, let's see how long this movie is. It is, or come on, two hours and 41 minutes. Interstellar is two hours and 49 minutes. So Interstellar is actually longer than 2001 A Space Odyssey. That's interesting. This movie did not feel long. No, and I think you know, the reason why... They it so well. Yeah, the reason why 2001 A Space Odyssey is so long is because they're spending all of that time with the visuals of look at the spaceship flying across the planet and listen Mm -hmm. to our blue Danube music playing and look at the docking sequence, which, you know, they did the exact same docking sequence in interstellar. It was just 5,000 times faster. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you think? Do you think audiences should go out? I mean, our listeners should go out and see interstellar if they haven't. Oh, I I absolutely. I I do. I, I don't think you should let anything we've said deter you from go watching it unless you're like i hate space true if you hate space then uh i guess don't watch the movie i think it's still good i think there's a lot of interesting themes uh one thing we didn't really touch on is how influential like love is in this movie well which yeah is a really in fact, in- interesting concept um again that can also almost be tied back to karma right i mean a- absolutely do you know i mean I think maybe it's just me and my wife, but maybe it's for everybody who truly loves one another. You know what the other person is thinking, right? Oh, sure. I mean, there are times where my wife and I are thinking the exact same thing or we hear something and our reaction is exactly the same because we have this 
this connection. Mm -hmm. And because Cooper and Murphy love one another, father, daughter, love one another so much when he does enter the Tesseract, he's not going back and talking to his son who he wanted to grow up to be a scientist like him. Mm -hmm. He goes back and talks to the one person that he has the biggest regret over leaving and who he has the greatest love for in this story. And that's his daughter. Mm -hmm. And so there's this idea that, you know, regardless of the distance, we will always have this connection because we love one another. Yep. And that, and that came up with Anne Hathaway's character Mm -hmm. when they were trying to make the decision on which planet to go to first after their failed, uh, wave planet. Right. right. Uh, she wanted to go to the planet where the person she loved was stationed, even Mm -hmm. though his signal had, had stopped going, uh, because, as she, I mean, she explains it through scientific why they should go there, that the signals or the what the samples they sent back are probably more uh, habitable than a Matt Damon's planet. Right. Uh, but they go into the idea of not many things can transcend uh, this, the distance that we've traveled so far. But love is a constant that isn't sucked in by a black hole or... Uh, you know, doesn't get warped through gravitational poles. It's just a constant that extends forever in the universe and that has a meaning of some sort. Yeah. So there's something, I'm going to see if I can find this, um, this concept. Ah, I forget somebody, uh, you know, interestingly, I was going to be a uh, physics major originally. Mm -hmm. There's a concept and somebody who's much smarter or who can run a search faster than me. It's interesting that you bring this up. There's this concept where you can charge, not atoms, but you can charge two nuclei or you can charge, we'll just say atoms. You can charge two atoms, identical, right next to each other. And they can both have a negative charge or they can both have a positive charge, right? Mm-hmm. You can keep one of those local and you can send the other one up a million miles away to the other side of the galaxy, and the interesting thing, and I think it's called nuclear, god dang, it's entanglement, quantum entanglement. Maybe that's what it is. Um, but the idea is, you because these two are so connected with one another, you reverse the charge on one. And even though the other one is on the other side of the galaxy, instantly, it will also flip its charge. I think that's Ooh, what I think it's quantum entanglement. Quantum entanglement. Um, it is a thing. I'm finding that on Wikipedia. I know it's a thing, but I want to make sure that the one, that the <laughs> example that I'm giving is the the right one. Um, quantum uh, entanglement may actually be more about uh, different universes. Uh, do 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 do. Um, so many words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh, measure the polarization of the spin of an entangled particle in different directions, which produced, uh, you know, they were basically locked together, uh-huh. regardless of space and time, right? Because you would think that if you sent a signal, even at, the, even at the speed of light, from one of these particles to the other one, it would take millions of years for it to flip. But it's instantaneous. Sure. So this idea of love is the same way, mm-hmm. Right. Um, go read about quantum entanglement. I'm pretty sure that that's oh, it's the exact same thing, but it's this you know this weird concept. I mean, you can apply it to this idea of love. Of you just mm-hmm. have this feeling, you just know you're just completing the other person's thoughts, and there may be more to it than just what our mind says love is. It may be sure. that we're entangled with this person forever. Yeah. Whew. Man, see, this is. This is why I think Interstellar is a good movie. Yeah, I mean, it really movies, is a good movie. Some movies you can watch and say, that was a good movie. Other movies you can say, I don't know if it was the best movie I've seen, but I could probably talk about it for the next couple of days. Yeah. And it'll never leave my mind. Yeah. And that's what I think. When you can do that with a piece of art, when you can leap, when you can make something that just sticks with people and that they can't get it out of their mind, I think you've created something really worthwhile. Yeah. Exactly. I, I really, I really think people should go see this movie too, regardless, yeah, I think you should. <laughs> regardless of whether you want to believe in the science things that they're talking about, which, you know, many of them are theoretical, but they're becoming more and more proven with computer modeling and those kinds of things mm-hmm. uh, and actual scientific proof, uh, right. whether you want to believe in the 
kind of, and I'll say it, it's kind of an out there theory about moving yourself outside of time space. Sure. I mean, there's a leap you have to take there. Yeah. And even going into the conversation that I had about karma, karma could be, you know, viewed in the same way. You kind of have to remove yourself from that and really look at it from a different perspective. Even Mm -hmm. if you don't want to get involved in any of that and you just want to have a very fun adventure, golden fleece type movie, um, Interstellar is that is that quest, that quest to save humanity and how it all comes apart. And you really don't have to do a lot of suspension of disbelief here. I mean, except for the part about I'm diving into a black hole and I'm going to be crushed beyond all recognition. Um, You know, there is uh, there's a really good story here. It hasn't done so well at the box office in the U.S., though. Well, what's it at? I mean, I know it lost to Big Hero 6 the first weekend. Yeah, the first weekend. Did it make a good comeback? I think it made a good second weekend. But as of November 25th, uh, Interstellar domestically has only made $125 million Mm. on a production budget of $165 million. That being said, it's already made more in the worldwide box office um, than its budget. Yeah, it's like $455 million in the worldwide box office. So it's already made three times its budget. Right. Which is really probably, and really they they didn't do a lot of advertising for interstellar. No, this, I mean, you, when you think about how much they did for all the Batman movies, we right. didn't have that many posters for interstellar. Right. Right. We had maybe two trailers, maybe a couple TV things, but really it was kind of low. It was kind yeah. of low key movie. Yeah. Well, it was not just, a low-key movie. Oh. oh, you just had Matthew McConaughey, yeah. Christopher Nolan, Matt Damon, and all these people involved. Oh, yeah. I, for, I was like totally surprised again because I didn't know that um, yeah. Topher Grace uh, was oh, yeah, in, in the movie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Topher Grace is in this movie and he's actually got an important role. Yeah. And then I kept going, is that Matt Damon? No, that mm-hmm. guy's fat. That can't be Matt Damon. Yeah, when, he, for, when, you, when he, they first pulled him out of the cryogenic sleep, yeah. you're like, is that Matt Damon? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's totally Matt Damon. It is totally trippy weird how yeah. many people he got into this movie. And you're right, they didn't do a lot of advertising. In fact, um, again, I would point to that uh, interstellar poster where it's McConaughey walking across the uh, the ice planet. Yeah. And how stark that is. Go look at the beacon, uh, that online movie. And there's a lot of shots that look exactly like that. <laughs> really? It's just really weird. But yeah, I think I would like to see more people go out and see this movie. Unfortunately, um, Dumb and Dumber 2 oh, no. beat Interstellar. Did it really? Yeah, it did. Uh, I think Dumb and Dumber ruled the box office. And then Mockingjay, which a lot of people are interested in. You went and saw Mockingjay. I did go see Mockingjay. Um, it even beat. I mean, it had the widest opening weekend of yeah. uh, of any movie this year. At $125 million, I think. So uh, it made yeah. it. Yeah. It was uh, it made in one weekend what Interstellar has made in three weeks. Yeah, <laughs> which is weird. It's still yeah. a really good movie. I just I, I just need to talk to somebody about this. No, I because agree. it's so There's, weird. And thanks some that of those for movies spending you the have time. To, you have to be able to talk about. Otherwise, yeah. you just have all these thoughts and you don't know what to do with them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Have have there been other movies like that for you? I mean, Interstellar is probably the most recent one to me. But I remember even the game uh, years ago was one that three or four days later I was still thinking about. Um. Oh, oh, uh, Cloud Atlas. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was Stop, another one. Yeah, stuck with me for a while. Yeah, I would agree. That one was a, another thinking, thinking flick. One movie that has done it forever. I haven't even watched it again because the ending is so confusing. Is Primer? Oh, I love that movie. The movie is amazing. No, I have no idea what the ending was. He was is, building an even bigger time machine. Yeah, is the most crazy ending ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it that is. movie. Stuck. We'll stick with you. Yeah, definitely. I did see. I also recently finally sat down and watched uh, Cabin in the Woods. Oh the, uh, my gosh! Chris, so did I. The Chris Hemsworth movie. Yeah, that was a trippy movie, and that I, movie was awesome. It was really good, except for the ending. I didn't like the ending. Didn't like the ending. Like I didn't the, like. The, like I didn't like that the movie. Shot. Well, I didn't like that the movie was. Um, this is the end of everything. Oh yeah. Because, I don't know, there could be, there could have been sequels out of this, but unfortunately it was yeah. the end of the world. But kind of. But other thing, everything kind of, leading yeah. up to that moment was, was great. really awesome. There's a movie uh, that I've been toying with putting on my list of 
Zach Zach on film films. Penguins of Madagascar. Uh, yes, of course. It's called Funny Games, and it was originally made in Germany. And then the director uh, did a like a shot for shot remake in English with a few American actors. And that's the version I've watched, and it plays with the tropes of horror movies kind of like cabin in the woods does yeah and it came out i don't know 2007 yeah yeah i mean and in the original, the original was 97 yeah yeah it was a long time ago uh that movie really tripped me out because there's they do some things in there that are just bonkers right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and they're just playing with the structure of story and the idea of uh what we have come to expect with horror movies and stuff in that movie we talk about one of my friends. I talk about the movie a lot because it was so trippy. Yeah, when we watched it the first time. All right. Well, we'll have to maybe check that out. Maybe that will be one of your films. Yeah, it might be. But yeah, it's always good. I think it's always good to talk about movies with other people. And oh, yeah. unfortunately, I went to see it by myself because my wife stayed home with the kids. But uh, yeah, well, ah, man, this is as there this people is. In your, were there people in your theater when you watched it? There were, and I went to Sunday night nine thirty. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, uh, there's probably only going to be about three or four people there because it's, you know, work on Sunday. Monday. Yeah. And when I walked in, there were already three people in the theater. Yeah. And by the time the movie started, it was halfway full. Same you thing were, here. You we were went last you night. went to the little crappy theater, right? The one on, yeah. all the way down on the left. Yeah. We went there last night, Tuesday night at nine o'clock. We walked in. There was three people. And by the end of it, there was at least 20 people in there. Yeah. Is it? What? This is not what I was expecting. I was expecting empty theater. Uh, so was I. I really <laughs> was. In fact, I was really expecting that the uh, just Jesse or whatever her name is um, was going to be like, oh, really? You're going to watch this movie? It means I'm going to have to stay past, you know, yeah. midnight <laughs> to clean up the theater. And <laughs> there were a lot of people that showed up. So yeah. I kind of didn't feel bad about watching the movie. <laughs> and plus, our theater now is uh, relatively inexpensive tickets, which is nice. Yeah, it's kind of nice. 550 or whatever to see a, yes. see a movie. That's real nice. So, uh, yeah. So there you go. L- listeners, I hope you enjoyed this uh, little extra that we're giving you. It's our major spoilers look at movies uh, that are out or recently out. It would have been nice if we could have done this as a weekend of. Uh, maybe we could do that in the future. I don't know. Um, I-, I certainly want to say thank you to all of our major spoilers VIPs who did make this uh, make this episode possible. If you'd like to become a major spoilers VIP and see more of these come out, you know, so that we can go and pay for all of us to go see the movie at the same time and those and take care of those costs and then sit down and record um consider becoming a major spoilers vip over at members.majorspoilers.com your small monthly contribution really helps us out and allows us to do more things over at major spoilers more things like like this episode of uh of our summer movie special that's now well into november (laughs) all right everybody thank you so much and take care and we will talk with you soon Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.